Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Brent Jones. Enjoy. Welcome. Good morning. I mean, I know none of us were surprised when we opened our front doors this morning or when we looked outside, but good grief. It's a lot. It's kind of like it reminds me of when I was a kid and it was like first of November, right? That's, that's the way it seems. But uh, actually, it's my birthday weekend. So yeah, that's fun. That's, thank you. At 27, yeah. <laughs> Add a couple decades to that and you're just about there. But uh, yeah, so it's my birthday and every, uh, tomorrow actually is my birthday, but um, it's, it's my birthday weekend because it's MLK weekend and so I love that. Um, but every year for my birthday, we, we go out of town to a hot springs as a family. And so yesterday as we considered the forecast and the mountains of Idaho, we decided to go to a movie and to dinner instead. So while I was missing the hot springs, I'll catch it later after they've graded the roads, which to Gold Fork is going to be another three months. So that's okay. It'll happen. It'll be fine. Uh, But yeah, if you're joining us online, welcome. Put a log on the fire, fill up your coffee. If you're joining us here in the room, uh, don't leave, just stay here. You have nowhere to go. It's cold outside. That's the worst part, right? I don't mind the snow, it's the cold. But, you know, if, there's, if it's going to be cold, there better be... Yeah, thank you. There's a couple Idahoans in the room. All right, well, let's pray, and we're going we're gonna to talk about the love of God today. And as we pray, there was a line in that song that we just saying, wasn't that just awesome? I love that song. There's a line in that song about God breathing on the embers of my heart. And I want to tell you this morning that embers are enough. Right where you sit this morning, I want to just say to you, embers are enough. Sometimes we can put all kinds of shame on ourselves for you know not having this like, crazy, passionate relationship with God right now, and I used to be so on fire for the Lord, and now I just feel like, hey, listen, press pause this morning. The embers of love for God this morning are enough in the heart of every human being for him to come and breathe on and begin to move. And so, God, today we just present our hearts to you as an altar, just like that song said. My heart today is an altar to you. Fan into flame. Our love for you, Jesus, today. Come, Holy Spirit, reveal the love of the Father right here in this room this morning, over every heart, over every life, right now in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you just pray that prayer? Just say, come, Holy Spirit, reveal the love of the Father to me today. Just pray that out right where you sit. Holy Spirit, come reveal the love of the Father to me today. Breathe on the embers of our hearts today, God. One time I was in McCall for a camp when I was a teenager and we got snowed in. And I remember, I mean, actually snowed in, like, you know, so much snow you, you could not leave. Not like, oh, they blocked the roads, they won't allow you to leave without chains, whatever. You actually, you know, you couldn't get out. And we were snowed in and I, re, I will never forget that feeling. There's something about getting snowed in, getting stuck somewhere, A, that's gorgeous, 
McCall with four feet of snow is amazing. But sitting in a lodge on the lake with nowhere to go, but not just nothing on my agenda. I actually had to call in to work and actually the phones didn't work. It was that kind of snowed in, like for real. And so there was a group of us and many of us could not get to work and we couldn't call in to work until a few hours later. But there's something about when you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything and you're just stuck and you just have to sit. And I will never forget how amazing that felt. My schedule was cleared for me by the weather. And this morning, I want us to press pause right where we are. I want us to have that feeling right where we are. God is here this morning. The love of the Father is here this morning to clear your schedule even just for a few minutes to meet with you, to meet with me. Consider yourself snowed in in the presence of God this morning. Right where you are at home, right where you are here on this campus, consider yourself taking a few minutes with God for him to move in your heart, to breathe on your heart, to speak something to you in the quiet and stillness of your heart as we say, come Holy Spirit. We left the yellow balloons up this week. Yeah, you can't see them. Uh, you can just see them right there. Yeah. We left the yellow balloons up in the room this week because we're in a series in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and two of you were here last week, so you clapped, but <laughs> you know, you were, now we know who actually listened to the message last week. Now we know. We left the yellow balloons up this week because we're in a series called Go Love People. And if you don't know why there are yellow balloons involved in that phrase, go love people, then I want you to go back to last week's message, not right now, Go back to last week's message and watch it. Listen to Pastor Try, listen to Pastor Trevor, talk about the vision for Vineyard Boise. Talk about the vision for why we are here in the Treasure Valley. Talk about the vision for our church. Go back and listen to it. And as Pastor Trevor mentioned last week, 1 John is such a rich book. As believers, we quote from this book all the time. We, some of the little phrases we say in church and, and when we're leading somebody to Jesus or when we're praying with somebody, a lot of those uh, sentences and words that we use and, and expressions that we use come out of 1 John. We're going to dive into a couple of those today. Many of the verses I memorized as a kid were out of 1 John. Verses about salvation and faith and the love of God. And while it is a letter, 1 John is also a beautifully poetic sermon that many believe came on the heels of John writing his gospel. It is written in the face of rising Gnosticism in the church, which, is, which, which basically said, I'm just going to break it down in a nutshell. Gnosticism was basically where they said that, the, that spirit, and ma spirit, spirit was good, matter was bad. And since the body was matter, then its desires and lust, even though they were bad, were simply of no moral consequence, so do whatever you want. And God was uh, kind of good, but kind of bad. He had a maleficent streak, and you know, you could, like, there was really no way to please him, and so, and the only way to salvation was just leaving the body someday. Jesus was in there, but it was muddy and unclear. And that Gnosticism, those thoughts were creeping into the body of Christ at that time. There were teachers that were beginning to teach this uh, about God that, yeah, there was a Jesus. And yeah, we've kind of moved out of, you know, the, uh, the, some of these. But actually now we're in this time where, you know, Jesus did come, but we're not really sure he was God. We're not sure he was, you know, who he said he was. But, and so salvation was not through faith in Jesus anymore, but just simply escaping the body. And that's a pretty simplistic explanation, but it really doesn't matter because it's not worth diving into. <laughs> so this is who John's writing to at the moment. 
And he addresses the listener of this letter, of this poetic sermon, in several different ways. But the most interesting way he addresses the listener in light of his instruction to go love people in chapter four, he calls us beloved. 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 So we're just going to read. There's six specific verses where he opens that verse with the term beloved, and then we're just going to jump into that. So go ahead and throw those up on the screen, Rob, and we're just going to quickly uh, touch on these. Uh, there's six of them. First uh, John 2, verse 7. Beloved, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you've heard. That kind of reminds me of what we talked about last week. Hey guys, we're not talking about anything new. It's still the same thing and it's still number one. Go love people. And then 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, Jesus, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. 1 John 3, 21, beloved. Everybody say beloved. beloved. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. All right, next one. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. When I was a kid, when I was growing up, actually even in ministry school, um, this was like, this is how you, this was like in reference, a lot of, um, too often actually, was in reference to like a deliverance type situation. John's not writing to a deliverance type situation here. He's saying, hey, when somebody comes and talks to your house church, ask them what their theology is. Get, get some clarity on what they believe about Jesus here. Test them to see, because a lot of false prophets have gone out into the world. First John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Many of you could even finish the next two verses for us today. First John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Just leave that right up there. Beloved, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Beloved, beloved, beloved. Six times he says it. You're like, okay, cool, I get it. Beloved, I'm loved. But do you actually get it? Do I actually understand it? See, beloved is a term that John uses six times here in this short passage, and it's translated a couple different ways as, you know, in a lot of your, your Bibles that you have in your lap right now or on your phone, maybe in the version you're looking at, it says, dear friends, or friends, or my friends. But to translate, but to make beloved into some sort of pet name for John's friends does not do it justice at all. Nor is beloved just some term to use at funerals and weddings, dearly beloved. My kids say I can't do my Princess Bride impersonation here, so I will. They're watching online right now. <laughs> Marriage. Hey, guys at home. I love you. <laughs> Beloved is not just something that we're supposed to hear at weddings and funerals. Beloved is actually a very clear word. It's a very clear meaning to it. It actually comes from the Greek root word for unconditional love, which we all would understand as, oh, I heard it, agape. 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 Unconditional, sacrificial love. Agape is the kind of love that is felt by a person willing to do anything, say that, anything, anything for another, including sacrificing themselves without expecting anything in return. This is actually, this is actually just, uh, this is 
a worldly definition. I'm going to use that word. It makes some of you uncomfortable. This is dictionary.com's explanation of what the Bible says love is. Crazy, right? This is what the world would say we believe love is. Hmm. Unconditional, sacrificial love, the kind of love that's felt by a person willing to do anything for another, including sacrificing themselves without expecting anything in return. So to be beloved is to be, we're going to make up a word here, to be beloved is to be agaped. Agaped. Beloved, agaped. Just add a D on the end of it. Some of you need to write this in your Bible. I am agaped. I am beloved. And so every time John is saying this, and he says it over and over, yes, he was saying, hey, you are agape. You are beloved, unconditionally, sacrificially beloved. He starts these phrases with the term, you who are unconditionally and sacrificially loved. You who are agape. You who are beloved. They were loved by John, sure. Yeah, they were dear to him, right? But he's talking about being loved by God. He's talking about being agaped by Jesus. And this is something John writes about from personal experience. Think about the author for a second. In the Gospel of John, the same author refers to himself five times as the disciple who Jesus loved. The disciple who Jesus loved. He has this personal experience, this encounter with the love of Jesus. So he knows what he's talking about. But why beloved? Why not just believers or brothers or sisters? And he does say a couple of times, little children. But beloved says we're unconditionally and sacrificially loved by God. So every time he uses that term, he's chipping away at the Gnostics in the congregation and correcting their heretical doctrine that would say God is far off and not involved with humans and not intrinsically good. He's chipping away at that every time he addresses them. He's like, hey, you who are sacrificially, unconditionally loved by the Father. Every time he puts that out there, he's addressing their theology and what, who they think God is, what they believe about Jesus Christ. And by calling them beloved, he makes the point that God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ and that he chose to sacrificially love mankind by laying down his life as the propitiation for our sin. Which is to satisfy the wrath of God required for our sin under the covenant we have with God. Thus proving the grace of God. God, through his son Jesus Christ, sacrificed his own requirements, uh, satisfied his own requirements. This is grace. This is what's called propitiation for our sin. This is agape. We are agape. Aren't you thankful? That's why at the end of 1 John, he says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins. In other words, what John was saying is, under the old covenant, we could not survive. But because of Jesus Christ, a way was made for us. God made his own way to love us and be loved by us. Whew. God made his own way to love us and be loved by us. God satisfied his, God made a covenant with us so he could be with us. And then he satisfied his own requirements for that covenant so we could be with him and love him because he knew we could not. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. More powerful than any spiritual encounter you'll ever have. Deeper than any spiritual experience you'll ever have. Wilder than any shaking, shouting, or shimmying is the revelation of the love of God for you and I. Our hearts can get kind of hardened to this. 
I, I mean, I'm just gonna speak from a personal experience. My heart can get kind of hard to this. It can get a little bit callous, right? Certainly the world is callous to the love of God. But do you know how to get rid of a callous? In our house, we slather on cocoa butter. We go through tubs of it, actually. After a few times of slathering on cocoa butter, those knuckles, elbows, and knees start to change. They actually start to change. Your skin actually starts to change. And suddenly, it's softer. The appearance of it is changed. The feel of your skin has changed. And it's more receptive to more moisture in the future. It has changed. But you have to really slather it on there, especially right now in the winter. That reminds me of this other verse in 1 John 1, or 1 John 3, excuse me. See, behold, what great love the Father has lavished on us, slathered on us. <laughs> that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. That is what we are. See, behold, what great love the Father has lavished on us. What love he's lavished on us. He's poured out on us. He's slathered on us till our hearts can begin to feel it and change, till our hearts can lose the calluses and the hardness and change. What love has been lavished on us by the Father, slathered on us by the Father. It's a Father's love. That's why we're called the children of God. He's explaining something here. He's saying, hey, you know what? You get called the children of God. We say, oh, we're all just children of God. Oh, we're children of God. But if we actually believe that, then we would say that we are children of God, made children of God by the lavish love of the Father God. And many of us want to say, oh, yes, Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my King. And some of us need to embrace the love of the Father. And this morning, that's what I'm praying this morning, is for a revelation of the great love of God, lavished, lavished, lavished on us. Have you ever been to a lavish meal? You guys know this, I think, in food. Have you ever been to a lavish meal? Where it's just, it's a lot. And it's good stuff. It's a lot. And it's really the best stuff. And then there's more. And when you're like, oh, that was amazing. That was so good. And then there's more. And it's lavish. It's too much. What if we said that this morning? Behold what love the Father has given us too much of. Well, that's not right. That's not theologically correct. He hasn't given us too much. Well, I don't deserve any. So any is too much. But just for good measure, he goes above and beyond to pour out his extravagant, lavish love on us so that nobody in all creation can say, God does not love me, care about me, and see me. And some of us, that just hit us the wrong way. That's all right. Stay with me. Sit here for a minute. What love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called his children and that's what we are. We are loved by the Father and the more we sit in his love and experience his love and get a revelation of his love, the softer our hearts become, changing the way they feel, changing the way that we look, changing the way that we are, and we're more receptive to more. Like it says in Ezekiel chapter 26, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Look at this. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 
I'm going to take your hard heart from you and I'm going to give you one that's soft, that can feel. Our vision, our commission to go love people is amazing. But if we don't have it, we can't give it. I'm going to say that again. Because the people at home got it. Our vision to go love people is awesome. But if you don't have it, you can't give it. John, over and over again, ties loving people to being beloved ourselves. If our heart is hard as the world is, what will we offer them? The world is tough on our hearts. If culture and cares have calloused us, how will we care enough to love the world to Jesus? How will we make the invisible God visible if he's invisible in us? How will we make the invisible God visible if he's invisible in us? You see, we have to let the love of God in. We have to let him come and breathe on the embers of our heart and stoke back into flame, stoke a fire again. I know that some seasons are difficult. <laughs> Somebody at home is like, seasons? My life has been difficult. My life's been a struggle, you're saying. It's been a little bit more than a few weeks or a few months. It's been a long stretch of life that you feel like has worn you down and left you feeling defeated, dry, depressed, and alone. If you're feeling this, listen. God sees you. This morning, God sees you. And actually, he gave this whole book. It's called Lamentations, actually. <laughs> Anybody ever read Lamentations? Yeah. Only read Lamentations if you're already feeling down. Don't go there if you're on a good page. Don't just skip it. Lamentations, though, seriously, it's a whole book of just how bad things are. <laughs> and you know, it's in there for me and it's in there for you. Israel, at this point, for hundreds of years had been in disobedience to God. Hundreds of years, centuries, had been in disobedience to God. For centuries. And for centuries, God had been sending them prophets and sending them leaders and sending them messages and calling them back and calling them to repentance and keeping up his end of the bargain over and over and over for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And then, and then, after prophetic warning after prophetic warning, in order to draw Israel back to himself, God gives them over to their enemies. Israel's surrounded, starved out, defeated, and led away into captivity, scattered. And Jeremiah puts pen to paper and writes a scathing account of all of the, God, all of the hard things that God had done to them. God did them. There's no other way to read it. There's not like a, well, maybe it wasn't. God sent some stuff. Chapter after chapter. And I just want to read, I just want to read a little bit. I'm not even going to put it up on screen. It's, it's that bad. <laughs> Lamentations, let's, just in chapter three. He says, I am the man who's seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He, the he in this passage is God, by the way. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me, he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation he has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled about me so I cannot escape. Should I go on? I'll go on. He's made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry out for help, he shuts out my prayer. 
He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He's made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me into pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. Listen, he drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. God did. I become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. You know what I love about God? If someone's writing, um, a, if someone's writing a biography of your life and you get to decide what goes in there, you're probably going to make yourself look probably as good as possible. What I love about God is that under the unction of the Holy Spirit, as the writers of Scripture were putting their pen to paper, he lets them tell the truth about him and this situation. And we're going to read why. We're going to read why. He doesn't paint this better than it should be. I think sometimes in church we paint things better than they should be. I guess that's what I'm getting at. We pretend like life is just always peachy or that it should be. And if it's not, there's a problem with you. We pretend that life is just this sort of soft, warm, wonderful place to be. And if it's not, there's obviously an issue in your, between you and God. Especially here in the United States. In the Western world, we paint the, with this broad brush of just how happy and good things are. I'm going to go on reading. He's filled me with bitterness. He has, hmm. He's made my teeth grind on gravel. He's made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I don't even have peace anymore. I used to, I mean, things got bad and I used to just like have a little bit of peace. I don't even have that anymore. Look at this. I've forgotten what happiness is. You know that word happiness? It's actually the word, the Hebrew word, good. I've forgotten what good is. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. So I say, my endurance has perished. In other words, I have nothing left. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings from the wood, wormwood and gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. He's in a really tough place. But I call this to mind, he says, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, what he's discovered is, he says, right above this, he says, my endurance has perished. I don't have anything left. What he discovers is, at the point where our endurance has failed and I have nothing left, and I've reached rock bottom, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. He discovers that when I've reached the end of what I've got and what I can handle, what I discover is that the love of God goes further than that. It does not cease. It is steadfast. It is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He finds the faithfulness of God when he's reached the end of himself in his darkest, most depressed hour when he's feeling like, I mean, listen, the city is gone around him. There's nothing left. There's no stone upon another. We don't even know where Jeremiah is dwelling at this point. And he's saying to the Lord, I've reached the end of myself. And when I reach the end of myself, what I want to say is I have discovered that somehow, some way, the steadfast love of the Lord was still there and didn't cease when I did. That's the love of the Father. That no matter what mistake I make, no matter how far I go over the edge, it doesn't matter if I drove my car into, the, into a ravine a thousand times. He's met me there every single time. 
It doesn't matter how dark it is and how depressing the moment is. He's met me there when it got that way because his love is there. Sometimes depression takes over and it can feel like God's abandoned us. And we don't know which end is up. Depression is crushing and a foggy darkness where the truth can be hard to see and hear. I know. But in that moment, we can say like Jeremiah that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That is the faithfulness of God. When we see great is your faithfulness, what we're saying is you show up, God. You show up. Your steadfast love shows up. And even if it feels like, even if depression and, and is so defeating, listen, I don't say it because that's what it looks like right now. I say it because it's true. Even if it feels like it's been at the hand of God that I'm in the situation I'm in, I can still say that his love, his steadfast love, never ceases. And tomorrow morning, by his grace, I will wake up still in his goodness and his faithfulness. We read it earlier, John 3, 2. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we're, now we're children of God and what we'll be has not been made known yet. But we know that when Christ appears, we'll be like him for we'll see him as he is. We don't know what we'll be like when everything's said and done. We don't quite understand it. Anybody that pretends like they know what it's gonna be like and what you'll be like and what I'll be like, what our spiritual body, you know, like all that. Anybody that pretends they understand eternity is off base, I'll just tell you. We don't understand and John says, hey, we don't yet know what we will be. We don't yet know what things will be like. We don't have all the answers yet. The kingdom has come and is still coming. We live in the now and the not yet. We don't have all the answers, but we will. And I want to give you a little bit of hope today if I've learned anything about depression, trauma, hurt, and pain. Like I shared a few weeks back, this is not the end. This is not it. Mornings come where his mercies are new. Sunsets come and close painful seasons behind us. And the steadfast love of the Lord never, and I mean never, ceases. Yesterday, today, and forever, the Father is right there with arms open wide with nothing, nothing but unconditional love sacrificial love and ill-deserved grace for you. So how do I recognize and experience the love of God over me if I'm just not feeling it? Anybody just not feeling it? Some days we're just not there. Well, he follows up, Jeremiah in Lamentations follows up his rant and his realization with this, these words. Lamentations 3, 25, he says, wait. He says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. The soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. He's good to those who wait. I wait. I wait. I wait on him. I let him start sorting through the memories and hurts, the trauma, the pain, the moments, the numbness, the abandonment, the confusion to find his truth over my life, which is that Jesus died for me to carry all of my sin, my shame, my trauma, my fear, and my experiences. You wait on him and you start to let it sink in that he's been there for everything you've done and everything you've been through and he still loves you and he's not faking it. He still loves you and he's not faking. In our struggle, in our waiting, in our silence, we put down roots into the love of God. In Ephesians chapter three, Paul says this, 
For this reason, I bend my knees before the Father, in the words I pray for you, from, every, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner self. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love. So that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the fullness of God, that you may be filled to all the, with all the fullness of God. Listen, this is where, right where Jeremiah was. He had the knowledge of what had happened. He had the knowledge of his experience. He had the knowledge, but he's saying the lo- to know the love of Christ, which does what? Surpasses all knowledge. In other words, says, hey, this is where I am right now, and this is what things look like, but the love of God God goes beyond what, where I am right now and beyond what things look like into the love of Christ, who he actually is, because he's supernatural. He goes beyond my, who I am because I'm natural. This is what John was trying to say to the Gnostics in the church at the time is, hey, listen, the love of Jesus, the love of Christ, the love of the Father is supernatural. And what you're experiencing now is natural. You're experiencing life in the body. But he's going to come with the miracle of supernatural love, agape, because I don't understand it. You don't understand it. And he's going to meet you right where you are. This is what Paul says in Ephesians. To know the love of Christ. To know the love of Christ. Let's stand together this morning. Worship team, would you come on up? These are verses, if if you've been in the body of Christ for any amount of time, you've, you've heard these verses about the love of God. But what if, what, just what if this morning He wants to meet you with his love in a deep, real way. And what if this morning he wants to take this opportunity there in your home, in your living room, or right here in this room to breathe on the little embers little sparks, those little orange things at the bottom of the fire pit that when you brush away the ash and, and the stuff that's burned away from the day before, the week before, the year before, and it's still there. Somebody here in this room, you are so tired, you're just, you aren't even sure that there's embers down there. Some of us here today have taken great effort to cover up the embers because of hurts and pains. And we've just, we've just decided, you know, we're gonna go deep and someday it'll be fine, but not today. And so I'm just gonna keep on trucking. Some of you are right in the middle of a place of depression and anxiety and fear and doubt that is crushing you. And the fog around you seems so thick and things seem so unclear, even the love of God. Like you would say, oh no, I know God loves me. But like Paul says, he wants to surpass your knowledge with his love. Say, oh, I I know God loves me. Cool. I'm glad you possess that knowledge. He wants to go and surpass your knowledge with the depth, the height, the greatness of his love. He wants to just even blow past your indifference and that just numb, numbness. I just hear him saying it's okay. Right where you are, wherever you are, it's okay to be right where you are. It's okay to feel right how you're feeling right now. He's not scared of how you feel right now. 
So just close your eyes right where you are, right where you sit, right where you stand. And present yourself to the Father just like you are. Whether you're hurting or broken or feeling victorious and joyful, down and depressed, sick, tired, covered and buried. Come Holy Spirit, breathe on the embers of our hearts and reveal the love of the Father in this room right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. to just fill to all fullness. And the Father wants you to know that He loves you right where you are. He sees you. He knows you. And He loves you. You are agape You are beloved. Put one hand on your chest, just with your eyes closed, just all over this room, at home, wherever you are right now. Put one hand on your chest and repeat after me. I just want to lead us through some, some prayer. Just repeat after me and then say anything else you need to say with it, but just repeat after me. First of all, breathe. after me. The God who created everything loves me. He is my father and I belong to him. The love of the father is always there for me. for me today. I rest in his steadfast love. He loves me. The Father loves me. Now, as we wait, would you just let your love just break through to every heart all over this room, Jesus? I just speak over every heart. Let your love just break through. I just speak the love of the Father over you right now in Jesus' name. Wherever you're joining us from today, if you're here on campus, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, just right now in the name of Jesus, I speak a revelation of the love of the Father over you today. Breathe in his love, be impacted by his love. Let his love touch your life and change your heart.
wants to speak to your heart today. Last week, Pastor Tri shared about needing to hear some direction from God. And God met him with a yellow balloon. You know, that yellow balloon wasn't just direction from God. That yellow balloon was the love of God meeting a son who needed help. And this morning, I believe God wants to meet with you, his sons and daughters today. You know, sitting with a father and just being a dad, I'll just tell you. And while I am wildly imperfect, I'll do anything for my kids. I just want to tell you today if you need the Father He's there whatever request whatever concern whatever is, whatever is burdening you and wearing you down or maybe you need direction maybe Maybe you just need to say, hey, Dad, how do I get from here to there? Here's where I want to go. Here's where I feel like I'm supposed to go. Father, how do I get from here to there? His love wants to meet you there. Maybe it's, hey, Dad, I'm in this season right now, and I could just really use you around. If you could just be around, that'd be great. with you. In the season you're in right now, the Father is with you. So we're just going to keep waiting on the Lord. I, I'm not in any hurry. No 
Everybody's having different experiences in the presence of God this morning. I want to encourage you just to wait on Him. And there's some today that you're, you would say, I desperately need a touch from the Lord this morning. I desperately need to either hear from Him, something, I, I don't know, but if that's you, we want to pray with you too. And if you just want to sit in the presence of God and just wait on the Lord this morning, just stay right here. Don't go anywhere if you don't have to. Let God, let the Father begin to do something in your heart that fills you with his fullness. 
fills you with all fullness of His love. So I just want to pray for you. And after I do, if you, if you, if you just need a touch from the Lord, you need a word from the Lord this morning, I want you just to come right up to the front. We're, we're going to pray for you. Just wait until somebody prays with you. But if you just want to wait right here in this room and just be in the presence of God, we might sing this song through again and just, we're not in a rush. But I just want to pray for you. God, right now in Jesus' name, I speak the love of the Father over the beloved right now. Those who are agape in you, unconditionally, sacrificially loved by you. I speak your love. Even today, let your love just unfold in our lives. Would you just fill each one with the fullness of your love, the fullness of your goodness today? And would you go with us and let us give what you've given us to the world around us today? God, I just bless your people today with every blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. There's a lot going on. There's meet and greet going on out this way. Women's luncheon going on out this way. Holy Spirit still moving in here. So let's, God, let's let God keep moving in here. And if that's you, you just need to sit with God. Can we just keep, can we just stay for, let's just... Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.